Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. Claire joins me today from Australia to share her story of miscarrying at 10 weeks and passing it naturally. She just turned 39 and also wants to talk about conceiving again after miscarriage when you are just a little bit older. Claire, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much, Melissa. So take us to the beginning of this journey for you. Sure. So uh, I got married to my husband uh, end of 2016 and we started trying immediately, uh, partly due to my age. Um, And we tried for for nearly a year and nothing happened. So we, he went, actually went to his GP and his GP um, said, look, given both your ages, my husband's now 42, um, it might be a good idea to talk to someone and perhaps get some help. So basically we were referred to our local hospital um, that have a fertility clinic. Um, We spoke to the doctors there and they were enormously helpful and said and did ran a few tests on both of us um I'd had a big operation to remove a fibroid about two years before that two and a half years so they just wanted to check that there was no scarring or anything um we were both given the absolute all clear healthy everything fine which was great news um so they I guess you could say diagnosed us with unexplained infertility (laughs) which is sounds yeah a little bit disconcerting but all the same, um, they said in that in that case we won't refer you straight to IVF. We will. Um, there's another option we can offer you called FSH IUI, which in Australia um, comes under Medicare, which is fantastic because it's it's barely cost us a cent. I think the parking has cost us the most um, at the hospital. So we gave uh, FSH FSH IUI a try, um, which is. I believe similar drugs in low lower dosages to IVF, but it's much less um, it's much less invasive. <clears throat> so we did one round of um, the FSH IUI. It was unsuccessful. We did another round, and it was successful, and we were thrilled. Um, that was in February of this year. Now. Um, because we were already going through the fertility clinic at the hospital, um, they were great in sort of explaining next steps to us. So uh, they called us in for a scan at six weeks and um, I remember it was <laughs> the morning I was about to fly to Beijing for work. Um, oh so I was gosh. a little nervous. Yes. <laughs> so I was a little nervous um, because I had Beijing and work in my mind, but this was also very important. We went to the hospital 
and it was great. We saw the baby. We got a – everything was fine. We heard the heartbeat. We um, – it was great. Uh, and I left with the little weird-looking photo and um, off I went to Beijing. Uh, had a good trip, came back. Um, we went away again for a weekend. Everything was fine. And then I miscarried at 10 weeks. So about nine and a half weeks, I noticed, um, I was just at work one day and I noticed some spotting, um, just really pale. And even though a few friends of mine had miscarried and I thought it was a possibility given, partly given my age, I, um, I just didn't really think anything of it. And I think I Googled it and it said, oh, it's quite normal, quite normal. You know, people spot, no biggie. So I just kept going to work and I felt fine. And then on the Friday, um, I had these excruciating headaches, absolutely excruciating. Like I get migraines. It definitely wasn't a migraine because it didn't come with an aura. And um, I then I, I just started bleeding quite he heavily, like a, like a heavy period. And I knew something was up. And I left work early that day, more because of the headache. I just couldn't concentrate. And I went home. I told my husband and he was really concerned. And so we went to the medical centre here <clears throat> and the medical centre said, oh, well, it was really good news actually that you had the six-week healthy scan, so it might just be a scare. But go to emergency, go to, go to emergency. So off we went to emergency and um, while the doctors took it quite seriously, um, the doctor we went in to see, um, he didn't, he confessed he didn't really know how to use an ultrasound machine. So we did a blood test, but that took a couple of hours to come back. Um, and meanwhile, he's sort of poor guy. He's fumbling around with the ultrasound machine. And, and I just, yeah, he, he admitted he couldn't see anything, but that was probably more to do with his lack of expertise, I guess you'd say. Um, but by then I sort of, yeah, I'd been bleeding pretty heavily for all day and, um, I suspected, we suspected the worst. Um, we got the blood test results back that night in the hospital and they said, um, look, it's very likely it is a miscarriage. Um, obviously no guarantees, but very likely. So they sent us home. Um, oh, the emergency was at the hospital where I'd been going for the fertility treatment. So they had my file and so they actually pre-booked me into um, an appointment at the I think it's called the EPAS, the Early Pregnancy Assessment Clinic there. Um, so no matter what the outcome, they said, look, you've got an appointment on Tuesday morning, go to the appointment and there'll be next steps for you. So off we went. Um, I was completely detached for two, three days, completely detached. Like I, my intellect said I knew what was happening, but I didn't cry. I went out to brunch with friends on the Sunday. I told them what had happened and I just was detached it was really strange and um and then I remember speaking to my parents and my father said oh you're always so pragmatic and I said no I don't think that's it I think I'm just really det emotionally detached from this whole thing um what happened next uh on the um I've heard you ask before Melissa um uh to other people that do the podcasts what when they were given the options of a DNC and medication and to pass naturally. Yes. I, I don't know if it's my experience or whether it's what happens here in Australia, but 
I wasn't given any of those options. Um, I was just sent oh, really? on my merry mm, and I was just sent on my merry way, and um, so I didn't didn't really know what to expect. Um, they didn't even talk you through it. No, no. Oh, they oh did. Gosh. They did after I'd passed it naturally. <laughs> they um they so offered helpful. A, yeah, they offered they offered a dean's they. I passed it naturally on the Monday um, and then later they said if there's anything remaining, we might need to go in there for a DNC. But anyway, so I, um, yeah, I spent the whole weekend um, feeling actually not too bad, no cramping, nothing, just just heavy bleeding. And um, and on and obviously called in sick to work on the Monday. On the Monday evening, I remember I was um, I was at home and I was, chopping vegetables in the evening and my husband was doing some work and and I just felt this sensation of now what I assume was my water breaking <laughs> um but it was so odd and um I have this is my first pregnancy so I had no no idea what was happening and I rushed to the the bathroom and um and sure enough, there was lots and lots of blood, and I think that's when I passed um, the miscarriage. Um, and then I remember sitting on the toilet and feeling like I was going to be sick, and asked my husband um, to bring a bucket, and he did, and he was obviously really, really concerned. And then I remember just saying, "Can you put some towels on the bed?" And I made my way into the spare bedroom, um, lay on the bed, and felt all the sensation in my arms and legs, just everything went numb. And I, and then I started to black out and I think it was from the pain. Um, so it all happened really quickly. Um, and anyway, lying on the bed, uh, in immense pain, sort of confused and then didn't completely black out. Um, once I laid down, I was feeling better. And then the sensation in my arms and legs started to return and meanwhile, my poor, very concerned husband just didn't know what to do. So I remember when I first found out I was miscarrying, I remember um, I'd been, obviously, as everyone does, I'd been Googling a lot and I found this very helpful service in Australia, Australian website, I should say. I think it's a semi-government website called Pregnancy Birth Baby and it talks, it has yeah, it's a government website, so I guess it's very, very reliable, very trustworthy, and it talks about the pregnancy stage, um, the birth stage, and the baby stage. And for, actually, friends of mine had talked about it because they had a concern with their baby, so they'd used it. And sure enough, there was a free call number on there, and my husband called it, and it was a saving grace. This this midwife trained midwife picked up the phone and talked me through the whole thing and it was it was just incredible I think I spoke to her for about 20 minutes um actually he spoke to her first when I was still in a lot of pain and then I he handed the phone over to me and she just talked me through everything and I remember so clearly one of the things she said was um everything you're experiencing is very normal and she also said um it sounds strange now, but sooner or later you'll ex you'll probably experience great relief physically and mentally. And sure enough, once it, it all was, passes, yeah. And sure enough, I think oh, it felt like five minutes. It might have been twenty minutes later. I was almost on a high. <laughs> like I was, 
just this the weird chemicals in my brain and I, I was sort of laughing and, and I, that didn't last too long. But um, so I felt this enormous sense of relief. Um, what is this resource, Claire? This is, this is called Pregnancy Birth Baby. I think it's pregnancybirthbaby.com.au. Okay. It's um, and I'm imagining the free call number is only available here, but it was just honestly, it was so helpful. Um, so then, yeah, so I, I that was the Monday, the Tuesday morning, I had my um, uh, my appointment at the EPAS clinic, and um, yeah, that that was odd. Uh, I remember it was the same clinic I'd been going to for the fertility treatment, and um. I waited and waited. Usually the nurses would see see us within sort of 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I've got no problem waiting. And I waited and waited and waited. And my husband had to, he came with me, but he had to go off to work. And I think I waited two, three hours. <laughs> and obviously I was still bleeding and I didn't really know what was going on. And by this stage, reality had really hit. So I was less detached from the whole situation. Um Anyway, eventually I saw the doctor and, uh, well, I mean, she couldn't really have done much, but it was kind of in and out. Um, uh, actually, no, they did a pelvic scan and they said, yeah, you've passed most of it. There's a little bit remaining. That's when they talked about the DNC. So if, if my memory serves me correctly, um, yeah, the, D, the DNC is a possibility. I think she said wait a while I can't remember the time period um but basically I didn't need to go down that that track which I'm pleased about um so yeah that was that was the miscarriage experience were you Um, still feeling numb emotionally at this point relatively so yeah yeah relatively so so when it really it was really delayed for me um uh, I'm a pretty bubbly personality most of the time. And so I just sort of, I didn't quite laugh my way through it, but I, I was like, yeah, no, I, this happened to a couple of friends, you know, this happens in life. It's, it's not that big of a deal. And, but it hit me much later. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I was, I was very upset, really disappointed, especially cause it took such a long time for us to get pregnant. I mean, it takes some people a lot longer. Um, I realized that, but we were just a little bit frustrated. Um, we, so that was April. Um, we went on, we went on holiday, uh, um, to Europe for my husband went for five weeks and I joined him for three. He went for work. And, um, and I remember listening to your podcast a lot while I was there. Um, and, and thinking about signing up and then I think I chickened out <laughs> and, um, but during that time I had a lot, funnily enough, I was on holiday, but I had a lot more time to process everything. And I think one of um, the women I listened to um, earlier on the podcast said, you know, allow yourself to pro- really kind of think about those feelings and process those feelings. And I did a lot of that when I was away and it was really helpful. And yes, I felt really sad, but I also, um, it, I think it made me stronger. And when I got back at the end of July, um, I remember first day back at work and one of my colleagues that sits right near me told me she was pregnant and um, that's when I, <laughs> I think that's when it really hit home for me because I worked out that she'd be yeah due around the same time as me and I was going to see her every day and she's a lovely, lovely girl and 
of course I wished all the best for her, but that was really hard. Um, And it's about that time that I actually, so yeah, a few months have gone by. It's about that time that I actually sought a little bit of counselling again through this wonderful clinic. Um, There was free counselling and I saw the counsellor twice and it was, yeah, immensely helpful. She um, basically told me not to put my life on hold, worrying about when I'm going to get pregnant again, Um, just continue doing the things that I do, um, you know, I'm a pretty active person and I'd stop some of my activities in order to prepare myself to get pregnant again. And it's one of the worst things I could have done. And I think that's the point where I started feeling really sad and I certainly didn't want to block out those emotions, but she said, you've just got to get on with your normal, your daily life, see your friends, enjoy your, all your activities and everything. So, and I've been doing that ever since. <laughs> Which is great, good yeah. for you, but mm. I mean, that's still the pain is still there and still sucks. Very much so, very much so. Um, we just actually in what are we in now? October in August, September, when we got back from Europe, we did two more rounds of the treatment, and both were unsuccessful. Um, as it happens, we saw the doctor this morning uh, because you have to take a break every so often between these these rounds of treatment. So we were taking a break this month and then we were talking about <clears throat> maybe going to IVF. Um, but we spoke to the doctor this morning and we're going to try the until the end of the year because they sort of shut down over Christmas. So, um, yeah, we're going to try the, the treatment again. Um, but the miscarriage itself, I think... Uh, you know, I think actually it was horrific, absolutely horrific, but I try and look on the bright side and I think one of your questions was um, your relationships and it might sound corny, but I think it really did bring my husband and I closer together. He, um, yeah, we, obviously we already had a very good relationship, but, um, you know, we really had to talk things through. We had to talk about what ifs, what if we miscarry again what if we never get pregnant lots of what ifs and it was a really good way for us to connect I think on a deeper level and I also really um I I I, yeah it's really important I think to check in on your partner um or your your husband or your your partner um because you know my husband's a pretty quiet guy and he, he was really supportive of me, but he didn't say a whole lot. And then just recently he admitted that, you know, he felt, he still felt really sad and it had really affected him as well. And, you know, he hadn't told me at the time, but he, in his mind, he'd been planning, you know, car seats and things for the house. And we, we will have to move if we get pregnant because we've got millions of stairs and he was sort of planning where we could live and it was just really lovely to hear that and um yeah I guess if if um I yeah I also wanted to talk about just acknowledging your partner and that your partner if if you're fortunate enough to have a partner because I do know of women that have miscarried that don't have a partner um yeah just that he he'd read some articles online and um one of them was a uh, I think it was a local one from here and um, one with three men had been interviewed and all their partners had gone through miscarriage and in one case it, 
it um, brought them closer together. In another case, they ended up breaking up. They he 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 admitted this man admitted he just didn't know how to talk. He's he didn't know how to talk to his wife. He um it was just so sad to read, honestly. So I just I feel incredibly grateful. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> That's wonderful. You like you said, just trying to see a little bit of light in all of this gloominess. That's great. Mm. That's great. Mm. And people listening, whether you're just going through it, whether you went through it a couple months ago um, or longer, it's still an important piece to hold on to or to know if you don't see the light yet, it will come. It will come. <laughs> Promise. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, I just wanted to let anybody, like you just said, I just wanted to let everybody know that for me, I guess the saying time heals all wounds and it really has. I mean, I was pretty detached at the beginning. Then I went through a really strong couple of months where I was just sad every day, <laughs> every single day and quite Which I must is so have, normal. Yeah, so and normal. also resentful and I think I was angry at myself for being resentful and jealous and then I thought, look, I think that's actually really normal and this won't last forever. (laughs) And um, it really, I found it really has got easier. Um, And at first it was so difficult to see other pregnant women and and now that's so much easier. I don't even really think about it. And I I was thinking to myself a little while ago, why do I find it so difficult to see pregnant women, whether I know them or not, um, and I don't find it difficult to see babies? And I thought to myself, that's because I've been pregnant, but I haven't had a baby. So I know what it feels like to be pregnant, but I had no resentment or jealousy or that sting you get. I didn't have that towards women with babies, and it took me a while to figure that out. But, um, yeah, I figured it out eventually. That's an interesting observation. Mm. (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today thanks so much melissa it was great to talk to you interested in hearing more miscarriage stories we have over 30 more episodes on patreon check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, Listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.